Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here again. So today, I, I come to you... Um, I just want to pray, actually, before... I know we've already prayed, but I'm going to pray again. I'm, I'm, I come to you with a slight uh, apprehension. Is that the right word? Um, so I'm just a little bit more nervous than I would normally be in speaking to you today. So I'm just going to pray, if that's okay. Um, yeah, Father... Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is powerful and works in us in ways that we don't even understand sometimes. It's, it goes beyond understanding. It, your word is living, it's active. And I pray today, let your word be spoken and let whatever I say, um, or whatever pe- people hear, here today, be, be from you. Lord, I pray, have mercy on us and open our hearts to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the reason why I may be a little bit more uh, uncomfortable than I would normally be is um, Jackie, you know, emails me and says, can you, can you do these dates, da-da-da, and, and, and then she sends me a whole lot of dates, and could you do one of these dates? So, um, the first, well, the two dates actually was this week and last week, wasn't it? And um, uh, last week was the first anniversary of my dad's death, so I thought maybe I'll give that one a miss. <laughs> um, I'll come on to that later. Um, but, but nevertheless, as a glutton for punishment, I just felt the Lord say that he wanted me to speak about grief today. So if you bear with me, I'm, I'm going to talk about grief. I'm going to talk about mourning a little bit. And um, one of the reasons why I feel it's important to talk about it is because we don't talk about it. So that's a good enough reason. Um, and I'm going to focus on grief related to, primarily related to, to the loss of, to, to death, you know, which is often what we associate with. But, but grief can be connected to all kinds of trauma and, um, and loss. So um, I'm going to focus in on, uh, on, on death today. But, um, but this, I think, applies to to many situations of loss, as I say. And, and I, I'm, I was inspired in the last year after my dad died. Um, uh, you, you know, you kind of go through different things. But I, was, uh, I came across a book, which I really recommend. And normally if I recommend a book, I'd be waving at you so you know what the cover looks like. But I've lent it to someone. <laughs> so I can't wave it at you. But it's a great book um, if you're interested. It's called A Hole in the World by Amanda Held Opelt. I can give you the reference. Um, and the subtitle is Finding Hope in Rituals of Grief and Healing. And she lost, this lady lost her sister, who was quite a well-known, um, well, quite a controversial uh, figure in the Christian world called Rachel Held Evans, who died at the age of 37. That was her sister. And in, as part of her grief process, she did some, both of them are very clever ladies, they're very intellectual ladies, and she did some research into grief rituals, past and present, mainly past, because a lot of our rituals that are connected with the death that we've lost. Um, and so the book has some really interesting things. It talks about um, keening, which is the sort of the wailing that, that, that the professional wailers in, in Ireland. I don't, some of you are nodding. Have you heard of this? You've heard of it? Oh, okay. I, I'd never known of it. So she, she talks about that. She talks about tolling the bell and, and how that was used as a, a ritual in grief. There's another one that fascinated me, telling the bees. Have you come across that one? No. So the idea was that if you kept bees, because bees are very sensitive to, to, your, um, to, to, to you. So if a person dies, particularly if that's the beekeeper, you have to go and tell the bees 
so that they know. I mean, it's purely possibly superstitious. Um, but that's a, it's a ritual. It's go and tell the bees because they need to know that so-and-so has died. Um, and another thing I learned as well is that the, possibly the idea of what we call the living room. In all of our houses, we have a living room. When death was quite a, a regular thing in people's lives and, and they would lay the body out in someone's house, they would have the, the, the room where you put the body, which would be the, the death room, and everybody else would be in the living room. And so that's possibly where that understanding of our living room comes from. Anyway, the book is great and it, and it describes a lot of her grief journey as well and I, I just found it really helpful because she puts into words how I have felt and have, have a feeling and, but I just can't put into words because I'm not so good with words as her. So I really recommend that. A hole in the world. Anyway, so the, I'm not getting commissioned from it. Um, uh, so, but if you're interested, there's a book there. So I'm going to read you just one verse. You don't have to turn necessarily there because I'm sure we know this verse. Matthew 5, verse 4 says, Jesus says, amongst the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And if you stop and think about that, it's really, that's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. It's, it's not, if you look at it, you don't have to look at it too carefully. It doesn't say blessed are those um, who manage to escape having to grieve. You know, who, who, who manage to escape being affected by death in some way. It doesn't say blessed are those who are strong and manage to keep, a, a, you know, just keep going and, and keep strong and, and, and be strong for everyone else and don't allow anything to stop. Uh, them, but just keep going. It doesn't say blessed are those people. Our faith isn't about escapism. <clears throat> it's not a faith where nothing bad ever happens. I think sometimes Christians think, oh, now I'm a Christian, everything's going to be just, everything should be fine. No, stuff happens. Um, and also, our faith isn't about gaining some supernatural strength so that we can just ride over life as if. You know, we've got some magic hovercraft or magic carpet that just takes us through life and, we, and nothing affects us. Um, I think faith in Christ and actually the faith of Christ um, embraces grief and it embraces pain um, because this is the real world because Christ came to this real world that we live in, which is broken and beautiful at the same time. So, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Um, as a culture, some of you are probably thinking, oh, I really wish I hadn't come today now. But we don't like talking about death. <clears throat> um, we try and avoid it, literally like the plague, um, if we can. <clears throat> and for a large part of our lives, we kind of pretend it doesn't exist. Um, we all know that we'll die one day, but we live in a very technologically advanced society, and we've pushed back death a long way. And I, I just did some research on this. The through history, up until the 20th century, the, the, the child mortality rate, that was children who died before 15, was 46% up until the beginning of the 20th century. 46%. Pretty much almost half of all humans born died before they were 15. Now, these are the global figures, not even just in the Western, you know, in, in the, the Western world. That rate is down to 4.6%. So nowadays, it's like, Death is just kind of, we've really pushed it back 
a long way. You know, people live longer. Our life expectancy 250 years ago was 39. So actually looking around, most of us wouldn't be here. <laughs> and um, myself included, by the way. Um, uh, but now our life expectancy is 80 plus, isn't it? Um, and so that's amazing. But death does still exist. <laughs> uh, we'd rather not think about that, but it really does. Um, and I wonder whether that kind of sort of like pushing back of death and reluctance to think about that actually then has made us less well equipped and maybe less familiar with, with how to grieve when we are faced with the death of people around us. Um, maybe. And as Christians, the thing is, what we do is we, we, um, we have a hope and a salvation of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. And that's great. And, and it gives us confidence. And, and to put it bluntly, really, effectively what they're saying is like, I'm going to be all right when I die. You know, that's a very, very crude way of sort of giving you the Christian message. But that's the hope that we have. Yeah, somebody nod, otherwise I'm in the wrong place. Not even, I'm not even going to say church. Yeah, okay, that's good. Um, but then how does our faith work when we're faced with someone else dying um, and we're left behind? Um, and the temptation to, is to say, and I think we do it all the time, is like, oh, well, don't be too sad because so-and-so was a Christian and they're with the Lord now and everything's good. Which I have to say is a little bit problematic if the person who has died isn't a Christian because then you start really start to bend your theology if, if you want to bring some comfort and hope. So the, the temptation, I think, all, in all of us is to try and just kind of like, Let's just get over this over and done with quickly and say something that is going to be, yeah, hopeful and, and, and joyous, and then we can be happy because somebody's died. And I, I find it's around Easter. If you notice this on Easter, on Good Friday, oh, by the way, I, I should have advertised, on Good Friday, the, the, our joint SRC service, I'm sure you've mentioned it, is um, at um, Holy Family, uh, the Catholic Church this year, 11 o'clock. So please do join us uh, together to, do, to be together to worship there. But I often find on Good Friday... We can't just dwell on the cross. We have to say Easter Day is coming. And so we have to mention the resurrection because we can't cope with the fact that Jesus died. Yes, Easter's coming, but let's wait to Easter Sunday. Otherwise, we kind of miss actually the moment that he died. We're still at the foot of the cross on Friday. That is a reality. The disciples weren't there and thinking, oh, well, that's good news. Give it three days and you'll be all right. They were just grief-stricken absolutely grief-stricken and I think there's something important that we dwell in that in some way because when someone dies as the title of that book I read I told about uh, mentioned earlier there is a hole in our world and we may not like looking into that hole we won't know what to face up with it but the fact is we are left here without them whoever them is and that's painful it's completely disorientating even though we know it's coming. It happens and we're still like, where am I? It unravels us. It's debilitating. We think we can't cope with it. And it hits us in different ways. Different people will experience grief in different ways. Um, it comes in waves. It comes in phases. It ripples through the rest of our lives, by the way. People say time's a healer. Mm. Well, maybe things change over time. Maybe things grow over time, but... I've always lost my dad now. That's not going to change. Um, and, in, you know, different people, they, they, they 
experienced grief in different ways. So I, I suppose what I want to say this morning is, first of all, Christians, friends, it's okay to grieve when we lose someone. It's okay. I, I give you permission. Not that you need my permission, but I think sometimes we just need to know that it's okay to feel the way I feel. It's okay to, to go through this, that I'm, whatever I'm going through. It's, it's good to grieve. It's blessed to grieve, Jesus says. It's right to grieve. You see, remember, Jesus... I mentioned this a few times. Last, was it last time or the time before? We, we talked about Lazarus. You know, Jesus wept over the friend, his, his friend's death, which I think that gives us permission to, 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 to grieve and to weep. And if you think about it, love demands that we grieve. Without grief and mourning about someone who's gone, who we love, we, we, we're kind of saying, well, it didn't really matter that much. You know, I, I can manage without them. Um, my, my daughter, when she was younger, uh, my, my brother died 12 years ago. And when, after he died, my, Abby would have been about one and a half. She, was, she, was, she talked early. And, and we'd, it was almost like uh, she, she kind of she tweaked what's gone on. And she went, Uncle Graham died. And she was with my mum and my dad at the time. Never mind. And then the conversation moved on. And part of it was hilarious, but part of it was just kind of like, that's just, it doesn't work like that. It does for a two-year-old or a one-and-a-half-year-old. But we can't do that. We can't just shrug our shoulders and say, never mind, it, it didn't matter, they didn't matter. Because if we do, we're effectively saying, love didn't matter. We can't just shrug our shoulders and move, move on. See, Jesus says, love God and love one another, basically. And if we're going to love well, it means, sorry to say this, but it does mean that if we're going to love well, we will end up grieving. Because somebody, some around, if we're going to love one another, somebody here is not going to be here soon at some point, and we will grieve. We should grieve. Love calls us to grieve. So just go back to that story. Remember, you know, Jesus came to, to, to Lazarus, and Lazarus had died. He was in the tomb. He deliberately delayed his coming, Jesus getting there. And, and, and he didn't just get there and click his fingers and then Lazarus popped up the grave. And everyone goes, oh, good, good, good. He was dead, but he's fine. It didn't really matter. Jesus there, he spoke hope and truth to the sisters, Mary and Martha. And then he was deeply moved. And you remember that famous verse, what happens to Jesus? Jesus wept. And then what do the people say? They said, see how much he loved him. Love and grief go hand in hand. Christ's tears demonstrate his love. Jesus mourned with those who mourned and he weeps with those who weeps. And he says to his disciples, go and do likewise. So don't be afraid to mourn and also don't be afraid to grieve with those who grieve. To weep with those who weep. In Romans 12 it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So our faith calls us into that living in the now with people. So when people are rejoicing, rejoice with them. And I think if we're honest, we're just too, maybe it's just the Britishness in me, but it's like when somebody's rejoicing, part of me wants to sort of say, okay, calm down, it's not that exciting, you know, because I'm very like this on the whole, quite underwhelmed by most things in life. So people might be rejoicing and I'm like, okay. And so my temptation is to dial it down. And then likewise, when people grieve, I think, Rather than grieve with them, as we should rejoice with those who rejoice, we tend to sort of like, well, let's try and fix this quick. 
because this is making me feel really uncomfortable. So let's try and, try and sort of say something nice and, and cheer them up. And so we, we, rather than grieve with people who grieve, we try and cheer people up who are grieving. And let me tell you, as one who has grieved, that, that is really not helpful. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I'm sure maybe we've all been in those, those, those places where someone said something, you just think, I'd rather you just didn't say anything. Yeah. The best thing that Job's friends did was just sit and say nothing, if you know the story of Job. When they started opening their mouth, then it all just started to go that way. So mourn with those. Don't be afraid of mourning with those who mourn. Don't try and cheer them up. You can be affirming, you can speak truth, but you're not going to be able to fix the fact that I lost my dad. You know, with a few words. Sorry. Let's mourn with those who mourn. So anyway, I mentioned, so last Sunday was the anniversary of my dad's death. He um, passed away a whole year ago. My, my brother passed away 12 years today. It's a good time of year for me. So two really big losses, separated by 11 years. Dad was 88, and he passed away in this, I call it beautiful way. He was with mum. Literally, they were talking. She was washing his face, and then he died. And, and I can't think of a better way for him to have gone, um, for the two of them. But um, painful, nevertheless. Um, but in a way, though, my dad's 40 years older than me. I've, I've been preparing for this day for quite a while, if I'm honest. You know, he smoked for a long time. <laughs> uh, and, and I thought, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did. He was very healthy, really, actually, up until his last few years. Um, and... It's a natural grief. This is a natural grief. I, you know, in the natural course of things, I should expect to live another 40 years without Dad because he was 40 years older than me, thereabouts. Um, and so the last 10 years in particular, I've just kind of marveled every birthday. I've thought, wow, this is Dad, and, and we've kept going, and, and time has rolled on, but now, now he's gone. And, and I don't have uh, anyone to tell me those old stories from Hong Kong where he grew up anymore, which I used to kind of like, oh, Dad, not again. But now it's like, oh, I miss those stories. The th- same stories, by the way. I can tell him off by heart now. I can recite them myself, but I, I, I can't hear him saying them anymore. Um, there's no longer that familiar presence, that, those quirky characteristics and that familiar voice. And, and then my brother, um, if you didn't know, uh, 12 years ago, he took his own life uh, three days before his 33rd birthday. He's four and a half years younger than me. And in the natural order, he should have grown old with me. In fact, he, again, by the natural order, he should have outlived me by four and a half years on average. And in the natural order, parents shouldn't be burying their adult children. Um, I shouldn't be left as an only child in my, my 30s. That's all wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's just not right. And, and he, had a troubled, he had a troubled life, and he, had a, he didn't have a good end. Um... And nothing can prepare you for what I experienced in, in, in that in particular. You know, the, sh- the shock, the disbelief, the, the numbness, the pain, the despair. Utterly horrific. And not only that, I watched my, my parents go through it as well because, you know, it's that, that connection. It's, it's kind of like you, you, you're doing it twice. You're grieving for yourself and you're grieving for them. But that's love. That's love. So going to wrap up. I don't know how you're feeling towards me in me sharing this. I hope you don't mind. Uh, many of you will have gone through your own 
griefs and losses. Um, maybe some of you would rather, I wasn't talking about this this morning, but maybe some of you are no doubt wanting to maybe even come and, and, and share comfort and, and encourage me, but I, that's not what I'm wanting this morning. I, in fact, don't do that. <laughs> um, I'd rather that we just sit together in this moment of grief um, and, and take a moment to grieve with those who grieve today. I'm sure, as I say, there may be people around. I don't know. I don't know people well enough to know what's going on here. Um, but I just want to say, you know, if, if what I've said today is stirred, I, call it, I talk about ungrieved grief. I think we've all got ungrieved grief because I think it's just a, if, if we've grieved at all, we, we'll never fully process it. So often things people say or something happens and it stirs something in us and we think, oh, I thought I dealt with that. So if it stirred some ungrieved grief, um, I'd be f- say don't be afraid to let it rise to the surface. Don't fight it. Don't, don't bottle it up. Because if you bottle it up, it will catch up with you. Or, or, and I found this, when I bottle things up, I end up starting sort of shouting at the kids, you know, or getting angry with whatever, you know, because it comes out somehow. It's probably better that it comes out in a healthy way rather than an unhealthy way. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So according to Jesus, there's a blessing in this mourning. Um, and if we stop and seriously think about that, I don't think what he's talking about is a quick fix. It's like, I've got a tablet for this. Like a magic wand to take away the pain. I don't think Jesus' comfort is a feel-good thing or a spiritual anesthetic or something. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's rooted in love. I think it's something to do with Jesus' presence. I think it's something to do with him associating with our pain. I wonder whether it's something like, you know, when a child falls over and they graze their leg and there's blood pouring out of the leg and they're crying and mum goes over to them and picks them up and maybe kisses it better. It doesn't actually fix anything, does it, in one sense. There's still blood gushing out of the leg and there's still tears. But there's something about that comfort that is, can't quite put it into words. I think God's comfort is something like that. I'm going to read to you a little quote from um, this book I mentioned earlier, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, so this is towards the end of the book. Um, this Amanda held Opelts as this. I've noticed that many self-help books, including grief-orientated self-help books, tend to be written by folks who have developed a sense of confidence in their own ability to overcome their challenges. They peddle that confidence to hurting consumers and insist that everyone apply the same blueprint that worked for them. Let me be clear, I have not figured this out. I'm still fumbling my way through grief. I've numbed, I've stubbornly refused to ask for help, I've thrown things, I've pretended to be fine, I've isolated, I've almost given up, and God has been here. As my boss said to me, God has helped me. If comfort is a good feeling, then God failed. But if comfort is fortification, then God has made good on his promise. If I could offer one word of advice about grief, I would say this. Stay. Stay on the path. Lean into the elements. Carry the load and don't put it down. Endure. You will reap a harvest. God will help you. I will never say that my grief has been good, but I will say that it has not been wasted. Not one bit. 
As I wrote in the beginning, sometimes you must let grief have its way with you. Resist the urge to deny or numb. Rather remain under the brutal burden of grief. Stare it straight in the eye. Somehow, some way, grief has made me who I am today. The sorrow that threatened to break me apart is now the cement that holds me together. So I'd like us just to take a moment and just to be still. And, and just allow the Spirit to, to stir us and speak to us. And maybe ask ourselves the question, you know, if we are feeling just, some, if we feel God stir us, maybe do we need to do something? In, in, at the end of church services, often it's like, okay, and now we're going to do this, and that will be the ministry of, of this message. And I don't think I can just minister grief in, in the next, what, five minutes <laughs> before we have to finish. Um, but rather, actually, maybe I think God would speak to us something that we may need to do or may need to say. Maybe we need to go to a place. Maybe that will be the helpful thing that will just allow us to, to grieve. Maybe we need to do a thing. Maybe, maybe do something. Maybe, maybe we need to talk to someone. Maybe we need to be reconciled to someone. Maybe we need to get those old photos out that we've not dared look at and just look at them. Maybe... We need to mark a date. Maybe we need to even hold a ceremony or a gathering. Or maybe we just need to sit with others and just be. I mean, there's a whole lot of things maybe we need to do. Maybe. But I'm just going to allow some space and some time just to allow God to speak to us. And all I'd say is, let's hear God's voice. And, and if, if we feel as though we need to go and do something after this service, maybe, and, and start a process or allow something to happen, then be courageous. And know that, as Amanda has spoken to us in that book, that God is with us. Blessed are those who, blessed are those who grieve, for they will be comforted. So let's just take a moment and allow the Spirit to speak to us. And I'll wrap up with a prayer at the end. Loving Father, we bring to you our losses. And we pray, teach us how to grieve. Teach us how to, to go through the processes and go through the journey and go through the, the movements that are part of love. And I pray today that if people have been stirred to to work this through in some way for themselves, that you would give them courage to do so. Knowing that you are here with us. Knowing that there is a, a promise in your Beatitudes that say, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. But let us not have a false expectation of what that comfort is, but let us know the, the truth of it through Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.